This is Alistair McDermott, author of 33 Ways Not to Screw Up Your Business Podcast, a comprehensive guide to planning, recording, and launching your business podcast. And you are listening to the 450th episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which has been named by Forbes and LinkedIn, amongst others, as one of the top marketing podcasts. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since I get to read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message that you're a listener, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. All right, let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome Alistair McDermott to talk about his book, 33 Ways Not to Screw Up Your Business Podcast, a comprehensive guide to planning, recording, and launching your business podcast, published by Networlding Publishing. Alistair McDermott helps best-kept secret experts and consultants to rapidly build authority by leveraging the power of podcasting so that they can command premium fees, cherry-pick the best projects, get off the gilded hamster wheel of hourly rate work, and never have to suffer a bad-fit client again. Sweet. Alistair is an author consultant and business coach who hosts the Recognize Authority podcast, the Specialization podcast, and the Accelerating Your Authority podcast. He's the author of two other books, including How to Sound and Look Good on Zoom and Podcast Tips and Audio Video Recommendations for Consultants and Experts. And I'm going to provide a link for listeners to get the book on Amazon for free. And for the love of all things holy, please, everybody, (laughs) download that and read it. And interesting fact, Alistair lives on the beautiful west coast of Ireland. Alistair, congratulations on 33 Ways Not to Screw Up Your Business Podcast, and welcome to the 450th episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. Douglas, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here because I'm a long, long time listener, and uh, so it's, it's an honor uh, to be on the show. Well, and I think uh, folks know what that means about Alistair McDermott. He's a ridiculously good looking guy. This is true. Yes, it is. It is. And uh, for those that uh, need a picture, go to marketingbookpodcast.com, see this episode. So you are the second author I've interviewed who is in Ireland. The uh, the first was Aidan McCullen, author of Undisruptible. I interviewed him in July of 2022 during a heat wave. (laughs) He was a a very good sport. And you two have uh, some connection, uh, some rugby connection. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I, I I played rugby for about 20, 25 years, um, but never at a at a high level like he did. But I followed the team that he played for, so uh, uh, the professional team. So uh, that's Leinster. So uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was that was great to hear another Irish voice on the podcast. Yes, and he's working on a few other books. He'll probably never come back just because you know I was such a knucklehead. But you know, hope springs eternal, and uh, you know I can dream, can I? Now I should mention that you're being an author. This is genetic because. Both of your parents are authors, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so both, I, I guess we, we just have one of those families where uh, it's kind of in the genes, but um, my, both my parents are historians and have written 
certain um, history-based books. And um, yeah, so very wide-ranging in scope. Uh, actually, they've both written multiple books. My dad's written a, a fiction novel as well. Mum has written a book about learning, about uh, philosophy, um, and yeah, all sorts of stuff. So, and, and, and also about history. So wow. uh, yeah, we kind of have that in the, in the, in the blood. Yeah, sounds like you better write a few more books because they may still be wondering if you know if you're going to make anything of yourself. Well, I did say that this is my first appearance on this episode on this podcast, so oh. I'm, I'm hoping to be back. <laughs> oh well, good, good. Well, there is no way, better way to celebrate a milestone than with an Irishman, and I don't know what it is about Irish people that makes me want to celebrate. They're always after me, lucky charms. And all this week, as we mentioned before, I've been. Uh, before we started recording, I've been watching uh, Irish history documentaries on YouTube, and as I've been preparing for this interview, all week I've been doing two things. Well, I read your book, which only took about an hour, and I've been drinking Irish whiskey, including this morning, and I've been listening to some beautiful traditional Irish music, like this. Okay, so now that I've offended pretty much every uh, Irish listener. It's great. I'm dancing here. It's a pity we're not doing video because we're because I'm just dancing here. Yes, so, yes, yeah. and we're gonna talk <laughs> we're gonna talk about video. So this book is part of a series of 33 ways books. There must be a, a dozen or so. You know, 33 ways not to screw up and then fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. So this is not the first 33 ways book on the marketing book podcast. A little bit of marketing book podcast trivia. Episode 363, I interviewed Ann Janzer, a member of the Marketing Book Podcast Four Timers Club, about the book she wrote, 33 Ways Not to Screw Up Your Business Emails, and it was for a special Christmas episode at the end of 2021. And as I read through those 33 chapters in her book, I noticed a lot of things I was doing wrong near... <laughs> nearly every chapter. And Alistair McDermott, I had a similar sensation while reading your book about how not to screw up a business <laughs> podcast, because there's just a lot of things I'm not doing right and things I should be doing. And anyway, and, and she mentioned me in her book, in, in one of her chapters. And like in her book, in your book, you mentioned me. And I Alistair, I mean this sincerely. I was really touched that you dedicated the book to me, and I'm going to read it right now. It says, for Douglas Burdett, host of the Marketing Book Podcast, no podcaster needs this book more than you do. With love from one of your loyal listeners, Alistair McDermott. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, it was my, my, my true pleasure to write that. Um, yes. I, I think I got ChatGPT to help with that. Okay, good. Yeah, that's great. Now, I'm kidding, of course. He didn't dedicate the book to me. But Alistair, did you really have to feature the marketing book podcast in nearly every chapter as an example of what not to do? I mean, come on, maybe a few examples, but not in every, all 33 chapters. It's nice to tie the book together, you know? <laughs> the thread, yes, the thread that goes through all of it. So no, no, seriously, folks, he was very generous. He didn't mention me, but I knew, I knew, <laughs> I knew who he was talking about because I do a lot of things wrong. And I, just a quick tangent. Have you ever seen in like a, an office or a, there's like these motivational posters in the break room? 
I don't know if they have them in the in Ireland or the UK or whatever, but in the United States, sometimes you'll see like in you know uh, a picture and it has a beautiful picture of rowers and it'll say like teamwork, a big headline. There's a sentence below oh, yeah. it. Okay, so yeah, we got those. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Not in my office. I've got Cartman in my office. But, Cartman. Uh, oh, really? Are you a South Park fan? Oh yeah. So he's my he's my hero. Okay, so. There's a website called despair.com, which I love. And what it is, is they produce all these posters that are a parody of those kinds of posters. And what they'll have is like a a beautiful picture and then a word. And you could actually put them up in an office space. And I don't think people would notice that it's actually being very, uh, you know, ironic, satirical, sarcastic. And so there's this one poster that brought to mind me as it relates to your book. And it's a beautiful picture of a ship that's sinking and it's got like blue water and an orange sky and the big word says mistakes and then below that it says it could be that the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others and (laughs) i know i realize that i i I know that and you know what i don't care i don't care what they may think of me now if you're like Steve Sheinkoff, who's the CEO of Yale Appliance in Boston, Massachusetts, he's already said he's not going to listen to this episode. He knows that it's going to be recorded. He said he's, he's not going to listen to it. Idiot. And if you're not a podcaster and you're not thinking about starting a podcast, I want you to know, and you're still listening, I want you to know that most of the things we're going to talk about can be applied to nearly any kind of content creation to build your authority. And I may ask a specific question or two, but I would hope that this interview would have valuable lessons for the marketers and the salespeople and and all the others who are listening. Also, I'm suffering, I'm sure, from the curse of knowledge, and I'm too close to the topic. And I say that because uh, in the year 2020, just before the lockdown started, I was invited by the local Public Relations Society of America chapter in my town to give a talk about podcasting, of all things. And the reason why is because their membership uh, had said they were very interested in learning more about podcasting, and their clients were starting to ask them uh, quite a bit about podcasting, and they wanted to be better armed to discuss it. And so the other thing is that some of you folks out there, your next job may be, you know, same similar job, different company, and they're going to say, hey, go start a podcast. You need to know a little bit about it, or at least know where to go to get it. And as I like to say, there's this concept in management called uh, Management by In-Flight Magazine. So the boss may come in next week, throw the In-Flight Magazine down on the conference room table and say, I just read about podcasting. Go start a podcast. Now, we're going to talk about whether it makes sense to do a podcast or not, but you know, I, ho- I hope that folks will, will uh, st- stay with us here. And, but more, most importantly, Steve Sheinkoff, he is really going to miss out. In fact, if you're a listener in the Boston area and you're shopping for appliances, or even if you're not, I want you to stop by one of the conveniently located, beautifully appointed Yale Appliance showrooms and tell Steve that he really missed out on listening to this episode. Yeah. He's going to be good at Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. And because I've mentioned him on the show, people apparently are going into the showroom and asking the salespeople for the Marketing Book Podcast discount. Now, there is no Marketing Book Podcast discount, but they're they're asking about it. Oh, but there should be. Yeah, there should be. And they're going to Steve, and, and, and now finally Steve said, what the hell are you doing? Stop saying that. <laughs> Please go into the store <sighs> and ask Steve. for it. Yeah. Poor Steve. It's not easy being Steve. So let's get to the book. I want to read from the introduction on page XX for those uh, 
listeners who use Roman numerals. Podcasting is incredibly valuable, but can also be tricky to get started. There's a hundred different decisions to make, some minor with minimal impact, and others major strategic decisions that can determine your success or failure. I've written this book to help you navigate those decisions and to help you avoid making the mistakes I've made myself and seen others make. So when I look up the word authority in the dictionary, there's a picture of Alistair McDermott there. (laughs) Now, as someone who is older but has the maturity of a (laughs) 13-year-old. Whenever I hear the word authority, I think of, well, it's already been mentioned. Respect my authority! So I want to go to the very end of the book and ask a couple questions. You write on page 183, having your own podcast solves multiple problems that experts encounter on the road to building authority. How so? Well... What we need to do is we need to create a body of work. So that's that's the way I think about it. As an expert, we need to demonstrate our knowledge in public. That's how we become known uh, in the phrase, the recognized authority in their field. That's the phrase that, that we're kind of aiming for. Uh, there's a couple of key pieces. And the recognized part is being known by people. And so in order to do that, we actually have to put ourselves out there. There's that other horrible phrase that people say, but they never really get specific about it. So the way I see it is we need to create high quality content that demonstrates our knowledge. And we need to do that on a, on a regular basis. And the medium of podcasting kind of forces that upon us because it, it forces us to be consistent in our content creation. And if you're doing it, hopefully the right way, it's forcing you to do it in a way that's creating value demonstrating your expertise and is, uh, and it's also helping you develop. I mean, I know a hell of a lot more now after 125 episodes and, and speaking to over 120 experts than I did when I recorded episode one. So you're developing as well. So it, it kind of brings all of these different concepts together and ties them together and, and, and helps move us forward in building authority and becoming more of an expert. Also at the end of the book, you write, I may be the unwitting owner of a Guinness World Record for the longest time to start a podcast. Yeah. How so? So I was planning my podcast for quite a while, um, several years, maybe over half a decade, <laughs> uh, maybe closer to a decade than half a decade. Well, so, you know, Alistair, they say a measure twice, cut once. So <laughs> yeah, so I, I I started planning the podcast quite a long time ago because I, I I started listening my, to the first podcast that I listened to. Uh, back in 2004, 2005, that's when I first started getting into podcasting. Back then we had to, like, w- there was no such thing as iPhones and apps and all that kind of stuff. You had to like wrangle the, uh, the MP3 file onto your little like Z- Zen player or whatever it was that you had. And it was just a lot of hassle, but I was really into podcasts. And so I've always been a huge fan of the medium and I knew that it was something I wanted to do myself. But when I started to try and plan and create my own podcast, what I found was that it actually uncovered some major kind of strategic problems with my own business. And I had to go and fix those first. So it actually kind of, it was like it, it lifted up the the rug and showed me that there was a lot of things that I needed to do before I could actually do that step. But I would argue that was the right thing to do. In other words, it became a forcing function to get the business right rather than rushing off, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, with some of the, some of the problems. So I, I think that's more of an exception. That, that's a good reason to, to hold off because you wanted to get that other thing squared away first. But 
other than that, uh, why do folks delay putting themselves out there? Well, I, I think that in part, it's they're not sure what to do. And hopefully this will help. And, and there's lots of other resources like this, but hopefully this will just help to, um, you know, make it a, an easy step-by-step process. And then the other thing I think is fear. There's, there's a lot of fear around it, particularly because it, you know, it's a bit different when it's your voice than when you're typing words on a keyboard and it's appearing in electrons on a screen. Uh, you can kind of hide behind the keyboard a little bit when you're writing blog posts and things. But when it's your your own personal voice that you're putting out into the world or, or video too, uh, I think that there's a lot of fear and thoughts about that. And there's also some simple, like, I think that we, we like, nobody likes the sound of their voice, particularly when they hear it first, because we, we hear it through the bone conduction that's in our skull. So we hear our voice differently and then we hear it on, on tape and it's totally different. And it's like, oh my God, do I really sound like that? And, you know, there's a lot of things like that to get past too. So, you know. <laughs> and to the listeners, I'd just like to apologize for, for my voice. So I know for a fact that there are some listeners who are thinking about starting a podcast. They even posted on LinkedIn. I posted a picture of your book this week, and a couple of them said, yeah, I got I to gotta get going on that. I've been holding off. So this is for you, folks. But let me ask the big question of all the 33 ways not to screw up a business podcast, Alistair McDermott, what is the number one mistake? Number one mistake is not to start. You, you absolutely have to start because if you don't start, nothing else comes from it. The only way to totally screw up is by not starting at all. So well said. The secret of getting ahead is getting started. And I've interviewed a couple of authors uh, over the years who both uh, publish a blog post every day. And they've done it like one has about 9,000 posts at this point, and the other is, uh, well, one of them is Anthony Anarino, and the other one's Seth Godin. And they publish a post every day. And they've both said on, on interviews I've done with them how they almost hope folks don't read the first couple posts they did, <laughs> because they, they certainly got better. And they also say, look, is tomorrow's post going to be the best one ever? No, but I'm getting better at it. But I, I, uh, I had a whole lot to learn. And I hope that I'm getting better. In fact, you talk about this in your book. There's a sort of an about us episode on every podcast. I, I call it episode 000. And it's the like the trailer. And I update it every few years, which is, of course, your book has generated a massive to-do list. <laughs> I love it. I guess I thank you for that. But... <laughs> What I say in that, I don't. I just explain what the podcast is about and try to be as quick as I can. But one thing I do urge listeners to do is start from the newest episodes and work their way back for two reasons. I hope I've gotten a little bit better than the very first episode. I don't know. The jury's still out on that. But the other is that the topics covered are more relevant now than they were in 2015. Well, the first chapter is about having a clear business goal which kind of takes us back to Alistair McDermott. <laughs> I read the book and I learned I learned something as I do in every book, but there were also a number of things in the book that I was aware of, but like with so many books that are on the show, I marvel at how the author explains it. And very often I'll say, oh, I'm going to explain it that way in the future. So <laughs> thank you. And, <laughs> awesome. But, but I see that there are certain chapters and I scratch my head saying, really? Really? So the first chapter is about having a clear business goal. Would you say that more businesses don't have a business goal for their podcast than do? I think more that the the ones who are struggling to start are not clear about their goals. So if 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 they've gotten to the point where they've actually got the podcast, they've probably crossed that bridge. But yeah, I do, I do find that 
uh, there's there's that whole wishy-washy like i saw this when i when i worked in web design um you know we need to have a we need to have a website we need to have a podcast there's there isn't a kind of a logical reason there it's just everybody else has one so we need one you know it's so, a scientific uh, that, term called check the box marketing <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like your um uh, management by in-flight magazine you know that's <laughs> right. that's pretty much what we're talking about here right uh-huh well anyway that i just uh, thought that was interesting and I, I have to be you know again i have to i really had to get in touch with my vulnerable side here because i did not start this podcast with a clear business goal i did it for very personal reasons so please uh, don't nick me for that one. Now, the second chapter is about targeting a specific audience. Again, <laughs> people don't look to me except as an example of how not to do it. I've seen a lot of uh, podcasts not do that. And, you know, I often hear that, I think it was from Libsyn, the podcast service, that most podcasts never get to episode eight. And I'm wondering if that, there's a variety of reasons for that, but is, is, the 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 issue of targeting a specific audience is that because niching down is so uh, frightening and I guess counterintuitive. Yeah, I, I think there's a few things going on there. So, um, first of all, just go back to to the example of your podcast. Oh no, you started a bit earlier than a lot of people, and people who start earlier can be more broad and more generic and have have a kind of a broader audience. Uh, the people who are starting now. There's a lot more to compete with, oh, yeah. and that's why it's it's more important to have a uh, a niche or a niche and and um, and specialize now and have a more clear target audience and and uh, topic because you're trying to cut through the noise of everybody out there and and that's why the the audience is so much more important for the listeners who are about to start a podcast than it was I think for you. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is that you don't need an enormous audience. You just need the right audience. So it seems like podcasts can really do well as a, a real niche play. Like even if you're in, um, there's maybe only a hundred companies you could sell to, it still could work quite well. Oh yeah. And, and the, the other thing, I mean, it depends on it depends on your business and your business model and, you know, the size of your business and all of that. Like for me, I've, I've got one full-time employee and then I've got some subcontractors that work with me. And so in order to sustain a business that size, I only need about 10 or 12 clients a year. Mm -hmm. So to, to the numbers that I need to, to sustain that type of business is going to be very different uh, than an organization with a thousand employees or, or 10,000 employees. And so they're going to have, you know, it's, it, it, the, the, the new numbers can get very skewed and, and be very different. So I, I personally, I only need a small audience. Um, thankfully it's growing. And part of that I think is just longevity, but um, yeah, I, I do think it's really important to when you start out to be quite specific. And it also depends on your profile. If you, if you've got a pretty big profile, a, a big email list, uh, you know, a big audience on social media, then maybe you can go a bit, bit broader. You know, but if you're starting out, then uh, you need to have something laser focused to cut through it. Yeah, you know, it brings to mind an author that was on the show years ago, a guy named Scott Ingram, who has a very popular sales podcast. And at the time, he wrote a book called Making Rain with Events. And he was working for a software company that provided uh, event management for large conferences. Okay. So, he started this podcast, and basically he was interviewing people who were in that space, the large conference, you know, a lot of event planners and so forth. Now, let's say maybe a third of them could have been 
potential customers, or they might have been customers of that company, but that wasn't the main thing he was trying to do. He was trying to create great content for people that were like them. And then maybe another third could have been prospects. He just didn't know, but he was networking with them. He would get to know them. He would interview them. He wasn't trying to sell on the podcast. And then the other third were just people in the industry that wanted to know more about how to be successful, and then it raised the profile for their business. So it was a very niche play, and it worked uh, very well for him. So I always uh, mention that when I do presentations on podcasting, to tell that, tell that story of how it was enormously helpful for a sales guy. So the third chapter, again, this one really surprised me, honestly. I understood the first two, and we're not going to go through every chapter here, folks, if, if that's what you're thinking is choose a topic you love talking about. <laughs> is that really a problem for some podcasters? I mean, are there podcasts where people hate the topic? Well, I don't know. And maybe this comes back to how I wrote this book. So you mentioned earlier that you had Anne Janzer on, and I don't know for sure, but I may have heard her on your podcast and that's how I met her. And so I, I decided I wanted to interview her on my podcast. And so she introduced me to her publisher, Melissa Wilson, who uh, I then interviewed. And at the end of that call, Melissa said to me, hey, would you like to write a book for the 33 Way series? And I said, oh, I don't know. What would I write about? And she said, well, podcasting, obviously. And so that's how I wrote this book. Now, I didn't originally intend to write this as 33 Ways, you know, not to screw up. I, I was just thinking about, uh, I want to create some useful content to help my clients to start a podcast. So I was, when I wrote this book, I kind of retrofitted uh, the two concepts of here's a step-by-step -step guide and then here's 33 mistakes. So uh, I've, I've actually, the, the, if, you, if you look at the, the structure of the book, it, it's very much a step-by-step -step guide. And I figured that this was something that was actually quite important. And I, I think like I, I see when, when uh, I look at uh, podcasts that, that pod fade, that, uh, that drop out. <laughs> I'd never heard that, that term before. Tell, say what a pod fade is. Oh yeah. So pod fading is, is when you start a podcast and, and you just fade away, you just can't sustain it. And in order to sustain it, you have to have some level of passion about the topic. It's just impossible. If you, if you're, if you're not truly, um, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of grind, there's a lot of hard work and, and, uh, you've got to do it for quite a while before you see, uh, you know, in, in terms of revenue and monetary results, you know, you've got to do it for months or possibly even years. And so in order to do that, you have to have some kind of passion for the topic. So that's, that's why I have that in there. And then also the, the kind of the idea of, well, uh, you know, when, when you're, uh, planning the podcast, the topic is, is pretty important. So that's, uh, that's why that's in there as a, as a mistake. Hmm. Interesting. I guess it might come up where an employee is told to go start a podcast and they're not particularly interested in it, but they're they're told to go do it. I don't know. I just uh, I found that interesting. But it's it's so true. I know the very first day my podcast published, January of twenty fifteen, I had two downloads. And you know how many I had the second day? Two downloads. Zero. Oh no. <laughs> Third day, one download. So I was it was not looking good. <laughs> but I wanted to do it. I, I have fun doing it, and that's why I do it. So I think that's interesting, and I actually know of an author I interviewed. I like their book. I'm not going to say which one. I liked it, but he, he did a podcast for a while, and he really he didn't enjoy it. It just wasn't his thing. He wasn't having fun, and I, you really do need to have fun. So let's talk about <laughs> another topic, which again has implications for like doing blog posts or or any kind of regular uh, content. And that has to do with the frequency of publishing interviews. 
And I've seen podcasters starting out who are a little overly ambitious in the beginning and think that they can do a daily episode or three episodes a week. What word of caution do you have for folks? Well, so I, I interviewed John Lee Dumas recently. Yes. And he's the poster child for daily podcasts. Yes. And, you know, like everybody told him daily was impossible. And he said, screw that. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And and he did. And like he has I, some crazy number. I don't know. It's like 4,000 podcast episodes now or something. But, and and he is, you know, he is the kind of the, um, you know, he's the go-to guy in terms of podcasting. Everybody thinks of. But uh, and so it's, it's worked out for him, but I think that not everybody is Johnny Dumas. And so that, that is, that is tough to, uh, to implement. The other thing that there's a kind of, um, uh, there's an assumption in your question, which is that we're going to do a interview podcast and there are other formats. So just, Oh yeah. Talk that. about that. Yeah. Cause, because you know, there's the solo episodes, the, so, the solo, um, type, uh, where you're, you're talking to the camera or talking to the microphone and, you know, you're monologuing effectively. Those ones are hard to do. Uh, you know, they're hard to sustain people's interests, but if you can do those well, those can be incredibly uh, effective for you um, in generating sales, in, in um, lead generation, things like that. Uh, those kind of educational type podcasts. Right. And I think um, that there are some people who may have come from a broadcast or a radio background who just know how to do that. But I agree. They're great to listen to, but they are very difficult for most people to do. Yeah. And and then there's a co-host type podcast, which is like a buddy show. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you're talking with somebody usually that you know pretty well, like the the really well-known one in the, in the kind of professional services marketing space is David C. Baker. Oh, yeah. Blair Ends mm-hmm. on The Two Bobs. And that's a fantastic show. Um and I, in fact, all of my favorite podcasts have always been uh, these buddy shows, these co-host podcasts, mm-hmm. um, Jonathan Stark and Rochelle Moulton. And um, that's uh, there. There's it's called the business of authority. Um, and uh, let me see who else. Liston Witherall and Philip Morgan, who is a, a business coach that I've worked with. Um, and, and Philip is the, the OG specialization guy. Um, and they had a, a one called Offline. Now, unfortunately, Offline is now Offline. Uh, but uh, that, that is a brilliant, uh, a brilliant show to listen to. And when when you look at those shows or listen to those shows, it's about the relationship between the, the two hosts and how they know each other and those jokes. And you, you get to know those people. And, and it's this parasocial relationship that is created when you listen to people regularly, you, you find, kind of feel like you know them. And I think that podcasting gives that more than other mediums, even more so than video, like on YouTube. I don't really understand the mechanics of how that works in, in people's brains, but I kind of feel like uh, podcasting and, and we're doing audio only here, but I, I kind of feel like the audio only element of it is almost more intimate than, than with video. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. I, I just, I know that when somebody's starting a podcast, that what they should keep in mind, if I could give some advice here is you can always add more later. But if you start out strong and then drop off, it, it may indicate that you're not as committed to it. And uh, it's kind of like selling a product initially very cheaply and then suddenly getting it much more expensive. <laughs> it's a similar similar sort of a confused dynamic that, that people might have. Mm-hmm. One quick question about pod. Now, this is, this, this is just about podcasting, but I, I want to ask you about the cover artwork for a podcast, which is really important. Yeah. Um, just two questions. This is uh, 
why should you not use a photo of the host unless they are a celebrity? Because nobody is going to know who they are. Mm-hmm. So uh, that real estate could be used for something that actually helps you to, to stop the scroll in the podcast player. Mm-hmm. So can you put something else on there now? I mean, maybe if you've got a really interesting looking person, maybe, uh, and, a, and a fantastic photo, maybe, maybe that will do it. But what, like what you're trying to do with the, with the cover art is you're trying to grab people's attention and stop them scrolling past when they're looking through their, uh, their podcast feeds or, you know, this, the search. So that that's what you're trying to do is you, you're just trying to grab attention. And when you look at all of the other podcasts that are there and you, you can go into iTunes and uh, pull up the um, the list of all of the podcasts. You see all those thumbnails and you see how many people have uh, faces that, and it's just, you know, I, I don't know this person. So why would that photo make me click on it? You know? Yes, absolutely. So that's interesting. I, uh, I went to high school with this Irish kid who later had a podcast and it made sense for him to have his podcast picture on the podcast art. You know who it was? Who's that? Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Both went to Cole High School in uh, San Antonio, and I taught him everything he knows about basketball, but he will not admit it. So he knows, he knows. So he knows. one other question, though, is um, why should they not have a podcast image like a microphone, headphones, and so forth? <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Is it for the same reason? Uh, no, it's because... Um, like they're they're already we, in a they're already we, we in a know podcast. It's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't you don't need to tell us it's a podcast. Yeah. So yeah. we don't need to see a microphone or headphones. Um that is the <laughs> right. most the it's the most common. It's it's yeah. Um I, I, I don't even know how to how how to explain because it's just so obvious, but please don't do that. Yeah, I think some people say, Oh, that's what the graphic designer gave me, or that's what the art department gave me, so I guess I better go with that. Well, it is a podcast. Um like it's gonna be a billboard on the highway. So Let's talk about equipment. I'm twisting in the wind here, but I always urge folks to do all the work for a podcast before they buy the equipment. In other words, buy the equipment last and, you know, work through some of these issues like we talked about, like your business goals and so forth, your audience, things like that. Those are actually the harder parts. It's easy to buy equipment. Unfortunately, a lot of people buy the equipment first and (laughs) and they never launch the podcast. Sort of like going to the gym in January. You people know who you are. You, you join, the, uh, you get a membership, and then you know, think it's going to get you in shape, and then you never go back. But we need to talk about something that is near and dear to both our hearts. It really is. And when I say uh, that, I mean it's something that just drives me nuts. It's one of the two things I don't like about producing a podcast. And I'll tell you what the first one is. One is having to say no to an author. The other one is arguing with maybe one out of a hundred guests about what's going to make them sound better for the listener. And let me, I saw a t-shirt recently that says, uh, on the front of it says anything but a Yeti, (laughs) meaning it's like the, explain why the blue Yeti is very often the bane of podcasters existence. I, I just don't understand the the popularity of it. It it's, it's it looks cool, and that's amazing. It. <laughs> I've I've heard people swear blind to me that it that this is you know the be- the best microphone ever, but I, I just haven't found that. Yeah, well, explain the difference between a condenser and a dynamic mic because I find myself having to do this all the time, and as you know now, I actually send a, a video to the authors explaining why their audio is so important. So. Condenser dynamic mic. Can you explain that dynamic? 
See what I did I, there? I can, but listen, let, let me just tell the listener, because they may not know this, but Douglas, you deliver a 10-minute lecture <laughs> to everybody who sits down and thinks about coming on your podcast about the microphone and the quality, and you, you really go to town on that. <laughs> I really love that. I watched, I watched it again recently because uh, I, uh, I was just, just making sure I was prepped for this, and like you, you really nail everything in that video. Um, and like, I could, I could just see how much this pains you yes. to have to do this. And here's the, the reason not to drop a name, but Seth Godin. And I somehow got into a conversation about this when I was interviewing him because he really took the video seriously. He watched it a couple times and it, I said, you know, occasionally these authors just bicker with me about it. And he said, you're a volunteer. <laughs> you're just trying to help them. And I am. And it's almost like having my hand slapped, but I don't think a lot of people know it. And most of the authors go, wow, I didn't know that about my audio sound. Well, but again, condenser dynamic. Well, I'll, I'll try to answer the question this time. Okay. So I don't understand the technical differences, but the condenser mics are way more sensitive. And so they will pick up a pin dropping or a dog barking three miles away. And they are absolutely brilliant for when you have a, uh, a vocal artist working in this uh, amazingly soundproofed studio where they're recording, you know, high end vocals for, you know, advertising or for uh, music or anything like that. They are absolutely terrible in a home office where most of us are actually recording these or, or even in an office office mm -hmm. because we don't have it soundproofed. And so what's happening is it's picking up all of the traffic driving by it's picking up the dog barking three miles away. It's picking up all of those things. And, and, and it's picking up the echo in the room. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and like all of this stuff, it's, it's just coming on your audio and it's, it's, it's just really bad. So the condenser mic is is for me is not suited to uh, to podcasting in an unsound uh, un untreated environment, which is actually soundproofed. The dynamic range microphone will pick up only what's near it, and this is the amazing thing about them is is you move away from them and it doesn't pick up, and so the the noise that's happening outside, unless it's so for me, it's trucks, motorbikes, and airplanes. They're the three things that manage to, to come onto the dynamic range microphone, but almost everything else won't get picked up like regular traffic, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, the dynamic microphone is, is much more suitable, I think, for uh, podcasting in, in, in any kind of un, unsoundproofed environment. So that's, that's the way I think about it. So please, please don't use a condenser mic. Oh, yes. And I feel like I, I, I feel like we were separated at birth here about this particular topic. And maybe because I got a lot of this from you. And, and the reason why I know about some of this stuff is because I was checking out the Marketing Book Podcast. And in fact, uh, I messaged you back in sometime in 2020. And I said, hey, Douglas, what does it take to, to get onto the Marketing Book Podcast? I'm, I'm thinking about writing a book. And uh, so... <laughs> Oh, wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. So uh, I, I watched all your videos at that, that time and, and I noticed that you mentioned a study. So I went and looked up the professor uh, who was Professor Norbert Schwartz and I interviewed him on my podcast about audio quality because I was really interested in that. So um, yeah, that I, I felt really strongly about it as well because I've been a podcast listener for such a long time that you know I really appreciate when podcast hosts go uh, and make the the effort to have good quality audio, and then people like you who who try to get the guests to be good as well. Um, so yeah, that's it, it. So that's why you feel that way because I got a lot of that from you. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Wow. See, folks, just reach out to me, and I'll try and I'll try and help you. 
oh, it hurts me. But also when people hear this bad audio, they the the credibility of the guest plummets. And I'm going to include a link to Professor Schwartz's interview on your podcast because I'm going to update that video. Mm-hmm. And oh gosh, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> yeah, like like just just to reemphasize this. If your audio and video is good, you sound smarter, you sound more likable, and it sounds like your work is more important. If yes. your audio and video is bad, you don't sound as smart, you don't sound as likable, and it sounds like your work is less important. I mean, which of those two do you want? Yeah, yeah. And I need all the help I can get in terms of sounding smart. But if you are sound like you're calling from a prison payphone, you're not helping yourself. And if you're going to argue with me... <laughs> I'm going to move on to that stack of books. Yeah, I, I think we better stop beating that drum. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. This has turned into a kind of like a support group, uh, uh, Alistair. So for the six listeners who are left, <laughs> I should move yeah. on. Six. Oh, you're too generous. <laughs> so let's talk about something that I don't agree with in your book, but Ooh. it doesn't mean that I'm right. Um, but it is time, possibly, for a fight. Why do you recommend recording video for an interview? Very simply, because audio is almost impossible to repurpose in any useful way. And video is very easily repurposed in multiple ways. Uh, Now, when I say that, in ways that are actually useful to our social media channels. You're absolutely right. I mean, that that is true. I guess uh, the, the issue I have is I never watch a video interview. I always consume it while I'm doing something. I, I, I consume audio only, like when I'm working out or uh, walking the dog mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So I, I, I just I don't really want to do that. But here's another little reason I do it, and it was because of an affirmation I got from one guest <laughs> who is also a Marketing Book Podcast listener, Daryl Alfonso, author of the MarTech Handbook. And he mentioned he liked being interviewed on my show and a few others where it's audio only because he didn't have to perform for the camera. He's able to just sit there and not look at the camera and 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 just think about the answer. So I don't know. I think what I am going to start doing though is probably publishing my episodes on YouTube with just one piece of art. I, because apparently, even in your book, you talk about how so many people listen to podcasts on YouTube. And there's a listener in the UK, Daniel Carter, who told me, Douglas, please just <laughs> put your damn show on YouTube. Just do it. Yeah. One of my guests and somebody I've known for quite a long time, Megan Doherty, uh, she uh, she has a, a podcast called The Company Show, and she was telling me that you know that the numbers because because they do a report. Uh, One Stone Creative is her business, and every year they do a podcasting report, and that the numbers of people who who consume podcasts through YouTube is just astounding. And uh, so I said, okay, I've got to I've got to start doing that. And um, you know, I, I think so. One of the things like wh- what you mentioned earlier, uh, it's it's impossible for somebody on YouTube to consume your audio only podcast, like assuming you don't upload it as a video, but it is possible for somebody on YouTube to listen to your podcast while they're driving, even on, on YouTube, like they don't have to watch the video of it. So YouTube is, is, uh, it's possible to watch video without the, without the video component, but it's not possible to go the other way, if you know what I mean. And that, that's why, what I mean by repurposing, you, you can, you just get so much more out of it. Yeah. And then the other thing is the distribution effect of having those clips, because when you can create short clips out of your podcast, those are the things that w- will bring in new viewers to it. And that's what video will allow you to do. It'll allow you to, to clip out those 60 second vertical shorts that you see uh, that TikTok and Instagram and YouTube shorts are all promoting. 
Yeah. Well, here's here's a, a podcasting question, though, for inside podcasting world. But I I want to ask it because I was recently asked by a marketing person I know who's been tasked with starting a podcast. Maybe they have uh, <laughs> managed by InFlight Magazine. And she wanted to know if they should put uh, WAV files or MP3 files on their website. And the answer, in my opinion, is neither. I- explain what hosting is and why it really needs to be done for a podcast. Oh, yeah. So podcast hosting, so that's where the actual audio files are held. Um, that's that's where they live. And podcast hosting is is different from website hosting. So, for example, uh, you tend to build up a, a big archive of these files and they're not changed very often, but you need some big storage space to put them. And it's not really suitable for self-hosting. Um, that's, that's not the way website hosting works. So you're much better off uh, using a dedicated uh, podcast hosting company for this. And so uh, that's not something that you want to change very often either. So it's, I think it's much better to, to go and just uh, find a podcast hosting company to host your podcast. There are some free ones, although uh, if you're not paying, then you are the product. So personally, I like to pay for it. <laughs> and don't put more work on yourself. Just pay the 20 bucks a month or whatever it is. Yes. And then they get it sent out to all the different places like uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so forth. And I think I pay 15 to $20 a month. So chapter 18 recommends including a call to action in every episode. Do a lot of podcasts not include a call to action? Or do you find that they, they don't have good calls to action? Yeah. And, and I, th- I think it's just, uh, it's, again, this is good practice. And what I think that actually the biggest mistake that I see with podcasts is they have too many calls to action. Mm, so, yes. you know, send me an email and don't forget to like and subscribe and, and rate the show and uh, do this and do that and subscribe to our email list. And uh, I don't know what else I'm repeating myself at this point. Go give Steve Scheinkoff a hard time. <laughs> so we've, we've got, we've got too much and it's kind of overload. So one clear distinct call to action. And for me, uh, I think it's the, uh, the email list. And, and getting people onto your email list. But uh, whatever it is, try and be be relatively consistent. Um, it doesn't have to be the same every episode. But I think that if you're, you know, you've got one, like I, I've recorded several different um, end calls to action and, and I'll just rotate them for my episodes. So I've got one which is the rate and review one, one which is to share it with somebody and one which is to join my email list. And so, it's it, you know, you, you, can, uh, you can take those and rotate them. Uh, you can record it live to tape rather than having a pre-recorded one that you add on that you tack on the end. Mm-hmm. So it depends on how you record your show as well. Hey, just out of curiosity, of those three, which one do you think gets the most traction? I think the one to check out my list because I know that my reviews are not great. Like in terms of the reviews are all five star, but the number of reviews is not great. So uh, I, I think I think there's a lot of inertia to get people to leave a review. Uh, I think yeah, it's tough. It's difficult. Uh, and and so if just to the listener, if, if you are a regular listener uh, to a podcast like the marketing book podcast, uh, I, it would be really good if you went and left a review if you haven't already, because it's it's bloody hard to get reviews. Thank you. And I'll, I'll wire that money to you now. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, just to, to add, if anyone does give a rev- iTunes review to marketing book podcast, please let me know and I'll send you a small thank you in the mail anywhere in the world. So you write on page 143, ask any podcaster what their number one challenge is, and they'll tell you that it's growing the listenership. How do you do it? Yeah, it's it's tough. It is tough. I think, again, so one of those things is, first of all, to have a really specific uh, topic and target audience. So you're solving a real problem for somebody. And I think that's really like a crucial thing. And that's why it's right at the start of the book. The other thing is to remind people 
to do it. And, and there's where your call to action comes in as you, you remind people to share it with their friends, if they find it useful, things like that. Uh, I think that this is where for me, the video, uh, clips come in. And so now putting up clips of the, uh, podcast on, uh, I, I put it up personally, I put it on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Uh, I think that's it. There might be another one. So, but, but having those vertical clips, it, it reaches a much broader audience and th- those clips get shared because there are faces in those clips and, and this is human nature, but, but people don't tend to uh, be interested in videos that don't have faces in them. Uh, so that's why those, um, those uh, kind of audio wave. Um, oh yeah. You talked uh, about that in the book. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't tend to get as, as much distribution. Like, like when I say not as much, I mean like they, they get about, you know, 5% of the distribution of, of actual video. So uh, that's, that's why I think it's so important is, is to have that kind of, um, that kind of content to promote the, the, the podcast and it's tough. You've got to, you've got to do a lot of things, right. And you've got to, for example, you've got to write good show notes and good titles. So the titles are what, uh, get people to click on it when they're doing searches. Uh, that's the episode titles, the show notes, uh, again, they're things that make people interested uh, the show notes actually are, are also, uh, come up in discoverability in terms of search. So somebody does a search and if you've got the show notes in there and the keywords that they've searched for, that's when your op- episode will come up. So there's a lot of little things that you've got to do. And, uh, and that's why I'm saying there's a lot of little details you got to get right, but that's what will, uh, will bring in people. But you've, you've just got to, the, the other thing is you've just got to do longevity. So you've yes. got to be creating, so you've got to be providing value to people. Uh, you've got to get your audio and video quality, right? If you're doing video, uh, the audio quality we, we've, we've done to death at this yeah. point, uh, you've got to be talking about something that you're passionate about so that you can sustain it over the long term, And, uh, and then you've got to have that call to action and then you've got to create some sort of assets for, for social media to promote it to a wider audience, which is where the video clips for me come in. Yes, it really is a game of inches, you know, just growing it gradually, getting folks to share it, all that type of thing. And it, it, it's kind of like marketing where I'm, you probably hear this question all the time where people will say, well, all right, what's just one thing I could do <laughs> yeah. to market my business? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's going to be difficult. Um, <laughs> the, the other, the other thing I didn't even mention there was the, uh, the guests that you bring on. And, and so, uh, if you do have an interview podcast and you bring guests on, you want to make it easy for them to share it. And so you want to give them some assets afterwards. Like at the very least, you want to give them a custom, um, image uh, that they can put out on their feed, maybe pre-write a tweet or a Facebook post for them, something to promote, something that they can send their email list. You know, you want to get them to share that episode. Yes, it's and, so true. The shocking thing is that the higher profile guests, uh, first of all, they, when they come on, uh, they may not promote your episode at all because like, why would they, what they don't need to, they're already promoting it just by appearing on your show. So, uh, I, I was kind of surprised, but it's, it's the smaller profile guests who actually, uh, like to promote your episode. I was talking to a former guest yesterday and he told me that, uh, he now refers to the episode where I interviewed him on my podcast. And that's his go-to way of, of telling people about what he does. So that's now a reference point in his kind of marketing. So, it, you know, and, and you can tell your guests that, that this is something that, you know, this is like an asset for you. And that's a way of getting them to promote it. So true. So true. I've had some authors who've asked me for the code so they can embed the player on their website or, or something like that. But it's true. The high profile people, I'll email them and say, hey, it, it published today. 
I'll never hear a response. <laughs> I get completely yep. ghosted. So it's like, oh, well, it was a great interview, but there you have it. I'm, I'm not sure why they hired a team of publicists to reach out to podcasters, but hey, enough of my suffering and belly aching. <laughs> so last thing I want to ask you about is you have a chapter on promoting your podcast by being a guest on other podcasts. And I had to mm-hmm. laugh. Oh my goodness. Let me bring, it's on page 157. You're right. When you launch your podcast, you'll start to receive a lot of unsolicited emails suggesting guests for your show. These emails tend to be a fantastic guide in how you should not pitch yourself to others. I had to laugh because, you know, it was like, welcome to my world on a daily basis. Explain what's going on there. (laughs) So one of the things, like when you publish your podcast in the feed, there's an email address and anybody can can grab that email address uh, by just looking at all the latest podcasts. So your podcast your podcast email is public. So don't use your personal email in there. Is the first thing. Actually, <laughs> I don't think I mentioned that in the book, but that's something I should do. Um, but what happens is you get all these unsolicited messages, and they are terrible. Like they're they're clearly from people who've never listened to your podcast. Almost every one of them. Yeah. And so they, they send you this terrible, terrible pitch. Um, hey, great podcast. I really love that recent episode. Anyway, <laughs> here's my guest. Really? You know, What's the name of my podcast? Really? What, yeah, you who know, was the at, guest? At, at least, at least go and, and, and try and, you know, auto insert the podcast name and, yeah. and the recent episode, you know, but like it, it, it's clearly automated or somebody who, you know, who, who doesn't like their job. Uh, but it's, it's totally ineffective. And no, no real podcaster is going to uh, take guests who, who they hear in that way. Like um, most podcasters, I think, are going to, if, if you write a, a pitch, first of all, if it comes in on their podcast email, they may not see it at all. Yep. Um, and now if it does manage to get through that, that barrier, uh, it's got to actually mention their podcast and something that they've, you know, and, and ideally not their most recent episode because that's the low hanging fruit go you know mention an episode that you enjoyed that wasn't their most recent one and um or maybe even more than one episode like you want to show me that you've actually listened to the podcast you know what it's about you know who i am you know the type of people who i have on because people who've been podcasting and and grow their podcasts they care about their audience like douglas cares about his audience like (laughs) he cares about you listening you know he wants to serve you by having good audio and bringing good guests on and bringing good books on so he's going to be very choosy about the the people he he accepts on which is the way it should be and um yeah he's protecting your time and attention as a listener and i want to do the same for my my podcast uh, listeners this is also why i think that podcast listeners make for better podcasters but that's a a different topic well it's funny you say that to harken back to what you mentioned earlier i think it was 2005 i started listening to podcasts and i can remember plugging my ipod into i guess it was an ipod into the cable on the computer and uploading the podcast that I wanted. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do too. So yeah, it's interesting. And it's, a, it's sort of a cattle call. And I, I, I see that. And on a bad day, sometimes I am tempted to get the email address of the author that is spamming me like, or that has hired a company, excuse me, to spam like this and say, yeah. they are ruining your reputation. Mm. <laughs> You've written a marketing book and look how you're marketing <laughs> your your book. Oh, stop it. Stop the madness. Okay. Last thing I want to say though, is there was on that same page, you write, if you can show that you know what the podcast is about and what the listeners care about, you're already ahead of 90% of guest pitches. If you can also reference an in-joke 
or something mentioned in a recent episode so they know you've actually listened to an episode, you're ahead of 99% of your competition. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Alistair McDermott, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I hope that if you were in any way thinking about starting to do a podcast or any kind of content creation, that you realize that you don't need to be ready. You need to just start. Uh, If you wait until you're ready, you'll never be ready. So just start and let the problems unfold in front of you and deal with them one by one. If you want to learn how to swim, at some point you need to get in the water. (laughs) Absolutely. Such great advice, but daggone it, Alistair McDermott, that is the hardest thing to do. (laughs) So let's give the listener something to do. What, What is one thing a listener could do today to put in action one of the ideas from your book? I'll tell you what mine was. I thought, you know, I'll call it the Marketing Book Podcast. And I thought, well, no, I don't want to do it. I was, I was like everyone else. I went on GoDaddy. I looked up if that URL was available, and it was. And I thought, damn it. All right. Now, I'm not suggesting everyone do that, but what is one thing a listener could do today to put in action one of the ideas from your book? Start start to plan out a podcast. And, and I, like, I've got some resources that, that yes. we can link in for free that people can download. Um and just, just start to plan it out and, and think about if I was going to create a podcast and uh, who would that be for and mm-hmm. what's the most value that I can help them with? What what problem can I solve for them with this podcast? And uh, start start to think about that. And, you know, um, don't worry about the detail too much. Just start to plan out the high level stuff. Yes. Just the first few chapters here. And don't worry about the darn equipment. So, Alistair, looking back, what books have most inspired your working career? Is interesting. I, I ask on every podcast episode that, that I've ever had, I ask about books. Um, and uh, so for me, the, the, the most common answer is also the one that I would give people, which is the E-Myth. And I think that that is the, probably the most crucial, um, the, the E-Myth revisited by Michael Gerber. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just been crucial for me. And Michael Port, uh, Book Yourself Solid. Um, there's a few other books like that that have been really useful for me. And um yeah, I I, uh, I I read a lot of business books and I buy a lot of business books and read a little bit of them, uh, just the bit that I need and then I don't read the rest of them. So I've also got a lot that I can go go through as well. Uh, but I think that, you know, if it, if it was just one book, it would have to be Gerber. So at marketingbookpodcast.com, we're going to include links to everything linkable, including all the books that have been mentioned, the episodes that I've mentioned, uh, your website, your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter account. I'm also going to include a link to a a place on your website on how to sound and look good on Zoom and podcast tips and audio video recommendations for consultants and experts. And there's, which which you can download, I believe from you, or you go to, I think you have to go to Amazon, but then it's free. It's free, people. Come on. And there's also a, a, a resource page for people who bought this particular book. So include links to all that. And now a word to you, dear listener, big favor, please reach out in some way to Alistair, congratulate him on the book. Thank him for being a guest on the 450th episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. Guests on the show told me that they really enjoy hearing from Marketing Book Podcast listeners, and not just because they're ridiculously good-looking like Alistair's. Also, if you're listening on your smartphone and you subscribe to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, all these links can be found by going to this episode right now, unless you're driving, and clicking on this episode's website link. The book is 33 Ways Not to Screw Up Your Business Podcast, a comprehensive guide to planning, recording, and launching 
your business podcast. The author is Alistair McDermott. Alistair, thank you very much for joining us on the Marketing Book Podcast. It's been a pleasure and honor. Thank you, Douglas. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who have left an iTunes review, please let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And remember the words of the entrepreneur, author, and motivational speaker Jim Rohn, who said, Formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune.